This episode of Ave Explorers is sponsored by our good friends over at scapulars.com. You can find a link down in the show notes. These are strong, American-made, super soft from Australian merino wool scapulars with an innovative design that has a pocket for your sacred metals. The patent is pending. If you purchase two or more, they ship for free. So check them out at scapulars.com. I'm Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explorers. So when I was growing up, I was not allowed to play video games. And and it wasn't like my parents were against video games in any way, shape, or form. It was more just video games were in a phase of existence where it was like this super subculture of the bigger culture. And a lot of the games were either like first-person shooter games or like Mario Kart. Like there wasn't a whole lot of in-between. And maybe that's just me being ignorant of what exists in the video game world. But it wasn't something that we played. And then when we got a little bit older, we got a Wii, right? Everybody got a Wii and Wii bowling and all those Wii games and then Guitar Hero. Like that was a a total thing that we did usually as a family, right? It was like a community builder with us and with some of our very good friends. But from the 90s and the early 2000s to now in 2021, video game worlds and the culture around video games and the playing of video games, it's no longer this subculture thing where it's like this little tiny group of people who are gamers, right? Gaming is a big deal. Ninja was on the cover of the ESPN magazine and like has been everywhere on every billboard because he plays a game called Fortnite. And then that has developed and built this huge culture of streaming where you get to watch other people play video games. And you might be thinking, okay, Katie, I I thought I was listening to a Catholic podcast. Why are we talking about video games? Well, because, surprise, surprise, there's actually a way to share the faith in this video game world and culture. And we happen to find the guy who is, well, he's kind of the expert on it. Jonathan Blevins is the CEO of Little Flower Media. He's a great guy. Jonathan and I are friends. We've hung out together. We know each other's families. We've chatted back and forth on topics that we both care about. And he is really on a on a crusade of sorts. He's on a mission to show that gaming and the gaming space is actually a place where the church needs to be and where the church needs to be paying attention. We had the great opportunity to chat with Jonathan Bearded Blevins as he goes by online on our Facebook Live and Instagram Live conversation, which is available over on our Ave Maria Press social media pages. You can totally check out that conversation for a little bit of a preview of what we're about to talk about here, where he just kind of gives us the quick shot. Here's the story. Here's why I think that video games and streaming video games and Twitch especially, which is an online platform, why that is a place that the church needs to pay attention to. And so we sat down to kind of dig into that a little bit more. What's his story? How did he get into ministry? What is it about sharing the gospel that gets him excited? And why is Twitch a place where that can happen in a healthy and holy way? So we hope you sit back and enjoy this conversation with Jonathan Blevins about how to share the faith online. Well, Bearded Blevins, Jonathan Blevins, welcome to Ave Explorers. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. It's a pleasure and thanks for having me. Yeah. So those who maybe saw our live stream on IGTV will recognize you, but tell us who you are and where you are and what you do. I've had so many different versions of this (laughs) in the last few months. It's been fun. So Jonathan Bearded Blevins, that's not actually my middle name. My middle name is Charles. Um, Married to my wife, Jody. We have uh, for eight years, we have three kids, six, five, and two, and almost two. So I almost have them all right. Let's see. I am the CEO of Little Flower Media. We just launched October 1st, and that's been really exciting. And before that, I was in parish ministry and youth ministry and as a director of evangelization for 12 years. Born in Detroit, so huge Lions fan and all Michigan sports. So life is a little miserable right now in the sporting world. But that is a little bit about me. Was that good? 
Yeah. So you're, and you're in Illinois now. We moved to Chicago area from Detroit when I was six. Then I spent some time in Wisconsin, so near Green Bay and all those Packer fans, and then back to Illinois. So every time I get to go to Michigan, which is about two or three times a year, it just really does feel refreshing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's your roots, right? And and I know you have connections to Arizona. You're kind of all over the map, which is how millennials operate. Like we have connections in lots of different places. I'm sorry that things are not going well for Detroit sports. I'm a Saints fan, so we're fine yeah, for the fine. most part. Like we, all the time since yeah. the 80s. We just beat Tom Brady, so I'm happy. Um, I'll live in that for a little while. So you were a director of evangelization for a parish. You worked in youth ministry. That's how we got to know each other. Was that like always your career dream? Like, tell me how you went from college into parish ministry. What's that story? Yeah. So I never really cared about school ever. Like for me, (laughs) I went to public school and it was all about just having fun with friends, playing sports and trying to date. So I didn't start caring about school until I was like 19. I went to a community college and I actually wanted to get into sports broadcasting, which is something I also kind of do on the side with the NFL right now, which has been fun too. Yeah. But I went to a class and I had this teacher who told me, it was again, community college. And so we sat there and he was like, everybody in here who thinks that they're going to be a a sports journalist is wrong. I used to teach at Northwestern University. You might know. And then he named a couple of like famous people on ESPN. And he's like, they went to the best journalism school in the world at Northwestern and you're here. So get that dream out of your head, but I'd love to still teach you. And I was like, oh, Lisa's pretty smart. And uh, that was the last time I took like bad advice from someone, but I seriously was like, oh, I'm not going to do sports journalism then. And long story short, I met a seminarian at the time from the Diocese of Green Bay, Father Schuster. He was their vocation director for a while after he was ordained. And I grew up Catholic, went to mass most weeks, but didn't, wasn't super into my faith. I had a great experience of Christ at NCYC in eighth grade. That's wow. a fun story for maybe another time. What year was that? I graduated in 05. So that must've been in 2000 or 2001. Okay. Okay. I was Matt Marr say, had was... his little booth. No one knew who he was. Yeah. I, he dated my cousin. So I had his little EP <laughs> and I was like the only kid at his booth the entire time. Just like, I love that. Just like fangirling. I, I was going to say, if it was 2003 in Houston, then we were at the same NCYC. I was at that one too. Oh, well, there you go. We were at the I same NCYC. How cool is that? Father Josh Johnson and I were at the same Steubenville conference when we were kids and like only discovered it recently. So that's the wild. World's quite small. So, okay. So yeah. you had this huge conversion experience. Yeah. But I didn't really have like a great parish to teach me how to live that out over high school because I was eighth grade. And so there's these multiple moments in life where God was calling me deeper. And I sometimes heard the call and sometimes didn't. Then I met Father Schuster and he was a seminarian in Mundelein. And fun fact, I grew up 10 minutes away from the Mundelein Seminary. Oh, cool. Did not know it existed until I was 19 or 20. <laughs> Crazy. 10 minutes away. I had no idea it was there. It's kind of hidden in the, in the forest. Yeah. like Hogwarts. Yeah. Anyway, so he ends up taking an interest in a friendship with me and we got coffee every day for a year. And he really, really changed my life and challenged me to pray in public. We would pray morning prayer out of a real breviary because I didn't have the app yet back then. And uh, I was embarrassed and he answered all my Catholic questions. And finally, I was about to become a bartender and drop out of college. And he had just been ordained. He gave me a call. I was going to sign a lease. And he said, Hey, you should come to Silver Lake College of the Holy Family. It's in Manitowoc. You can study theology. I think you'd be really good at it and get into ministry. He's like, you don't know what you want to do. Just do that. And it's 10 minutes for me. So we can you know, be friends and I can get you a job at the parish and whatever. And so 10 days later, I moved. Wow. Yeah. Ended up working at the same parish as Joel Stepanek, who is now my best friend and works at Life Teen. And really the rest is history. Met my wife there got my master's from Fordham and I loved ministry. I still do. I love, if I could feed my family doing youth ministry, <laughs> I probably would still be doing it. I loved it so much. Ain't that the truth? I love the idea of a guy 
taking an interest in you because you saw something in you and saying, you know what, like, I think there's something here. That's often, and we talk about evangelization in the church from a formal perspective or from a programmatic perspective. And part of this whole series has been kind of digging into the stories of, well, who evangelized you, which turns you into a person who wants to evangelize. And that's how the gospel is shared. Yeah, it's in CYCs and Steubenvilles and podcasts and Twitch streaming, but it's also relationships with people one-on-one where you get coffee, where you pray the breviary, where you go to... The best thing I ever did in youth ministry was going to daily mass with a bunch of kids and taking them out for donuts after. And when yeah. we were having donuts, like we weren't yanking our Bibles out. like We were just hanging out and talking and sharing stories of, of life and what you were doing during the summer. What did you learn in parish ministry? Because so many different people in parish ministry have so many different experiences, positive and negative. But what did you see happening in American Catholic parish life that gave you a lot of hope? Great end of the question. Yeah, that gave you I a want lot the good side. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so uh, this is, and this may be a little biased since I did youth ministry. I probably did youth ministry for eight years and director of evangelization for four after that. But I always still had my feet in the youth ministry water and, you know, helped with the life nights and things like that. The youth ministry really gives me hope in our parishes in America, because like you said, it's that there's rarely another ministry where you can meet so often and share yourself and share Christ with other people in a real nonchalant way, right? Having coffee after daily mass, like the schedule of youth minister is crazy, but it's also a huge blessing. And then what comes from there is I've seen so many kids who fall in love with Christ and they bring their parents back in. So the parishes that do a good job of having things ready for parents and welcoming parents in, inviting them to mass, because a lot of times like these kids are they're getting dropped off at mass by their parents on Sunday night. And it's like, where's the disconnect? Why aren't you joining them? Mm -hmm. If parishes are equipped to minister and welcome those families, youth ministry can really change an entire family. And so that gives me a lot of hope. And then a lot of just the priests who love Jesus and are doing their best every day to love their parish give me a ton of hope as well. Yeah. Yeah. I had a young man who he started coming to Bible study and then he would come to our, you know, the life teen was our CCD program. So he had to be at that on Sundays. And the day he walked into Bible study, he said, I finally got a truck. I can go to mass on Sunday. And it just broke my heart. The idea that like it took his parents buying him a vehicle so that he could go to church because they weren't going. And then when he was confirmed, of course, his whole family was there. And then the next Sunday, everybody was there at mass. Like his whole family was back to mass with him. And I was like, wait a second. Like something happened here in Evan's life. And like, I think his parents saw that. So I I think a lot of youth ministers who maybe have shifted to other things in life or are still in the grind of it can speak to that. At what point did you realize, okay, and I mean, maybe this is too personal a question, but parish ministry is great. Maybe I want to do something more. You were doing the Twitch thing kind of on the side. and, And I keep saying the Twitch thing. Tell us what Twitch is and how you shifted into Little Flower Media and what you're doing now. Yeah. So Twitch is an online streaming platform. Think of YouTube, but live all the time. And now YouTube has live as well. And so does Facebook. And it started out actually years and years ago called Justin TV. And I think it was just this kid named Justin who filmed his life live. He was one of the very first kind of like live (laughs) streamers. Yeah. And then he allowed other people to to stream on the platform as well, kind of doing what they did. And the first people to really take advantage of that for whatever reason were video gamers. And then he sold it to a company who called it Twitch. And it became this video game streaming platform. It eventually got bought out by Amazon and then kind of exploded. And now you can stream anything. So there's cooking streams and musicians and stand-up comedy and all kinds of really fun things that you can do. And you're live streaming and you're able to interact with the people who are watching. And that's really what separates it from, you know, because on Facebook, like you can 
comment and maybe the person will respond. But if you get thousands of comments, it's hard to sit there and respond to all of them. On Twitch, though, it's a constant scroll and you can be playing a game or doing whatever you're doing live and just talk to the community and get to know people. Mm-hmm. And so I'd say most of the people that are in my channel that are subscribers who've been there for a long time, I don't know them by their usernames anymore. I call them by their first name because you just get to know who they are. You get to know their story and it's great. And so I started streaming about three and a half years ago on Twitch. My brother actually invited me into it. His name's Ninja. He's a huge streamer, kind of like broke the world open for Twitch and paved the way for a lot of other people to kind of make a living on Twitch by playing with Drake, of all things, which is crazy. That forever. <laughs> um, because video games have just become so mainstream now, which is also kind of new and different. And so I did it three and a half years ago to try to bring some light into the dark place. Because I started, I never watched Twitch streamers except for my brother sometimes. And then you start like browsing a little bit and you're like, oh my gosh, a lot of these people who stream on here are just super toxic. Uh, and not just like inappropriate, but like intentionally toxic, intentionally saying horrible things and getting people all riled up. And it works. It gets attention. It's really a lot of ages who use Twitch, but especially young people. And so it felt a lot like youth ministry when I was streaming. Even if they were young adults, the similar kind of thing. You're, you're getting to know them. You're meeting more they are. And then once you establish that trust, then they start asking really tough, good questions about mm-hmm. faith, life, the church. And I saw God really work some miracles over the three and a half years streaming like 10 to 12 hours a week. So I wanted to start doing it full-time right away at three and a half years ago, but I wasn't ready. And I I still didn't actually feel called out of parish ministry. And so I got to take a job at St. James. I was there for three years as the director of evangelization and was able to do a lot of really fun, inspiring things at that parish. We had great leadership, a great staff that I got to work with, but I still would stream at night so that Jody could stay home and, and be with our kids. This is what we feel like she's called to do right now. And so, yeah, that's how it got started. So we started Little Flower Media. Uh, we've been working on it for the last six to nine months, and it just became a reality October 1st. But the whole purpose, right, is to, like, I think I might have said this in the on Instagram live yesterday, is to kind of be this like Trojan horse that like goes into this area where there's tons and tons and tons of people, millions and millions of people every day, and to just be our authentic selves, kind of pre-evangelization. And when people ask the tough questions, not be afraid to answer them. Why do you think it's so popular? I mean, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, like these social media platforms where I can post things or I can see pictures or I can do like the occasional live stream, but Twitch has an attractant to it right now. Is it the isolation of the past couple of years? Is it a desire to find real community? And it sometimes is kind of hard to do, especially as a young adult. Like I'm having dinner with a friend tonight and I, I think it's the first social thing I've done without my spouse or children in a year and a half. Why is Twitch so attractive, do you think? I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Jonathan Blevins. He's great, and the awesome work that he does, I think, is so important for the church and how we talk about sharing the faith. We also wanted to go ahead and take a second and tell you about who is bringing this episode to you. Hallo, the number one Catholic app for prayer, meditation, music, and more, is partnering with Ave Explorers to bring this episode to you and to really bring you an amazing resource. If you're looking to dive deeper into your prayer life, to find more peace, to ultimately grow closer to God, you need to download the Hallow app. It features daily rosaries, Lexio Divina, examines playlists for calm and humility. I use those every day as I'm getting ready for my day. Minute meditations for brief moments with God throughout your day, and Bible stories that are read by some of your favorite Catholic speakers, like my good friend, Father Mike Schmitz, Dr. Jonathan Rumi, he plays Jesus on The Chosen, Dr. Scott Hahn, and yours truly. I wanted to invite you specifically to join us in Hallow's Pray 25 Challenge this Advent. 
We're journeying to the manger in Bethlehem with Mary, meditating on the themes of Advent, which are hope, faith, and joy. Praying with Hallow is a great way to try to bring in some of that peace to your life during this, what is often a crazy season. You can access Hallow's more than 3,000 audio-guided meditations, including Advent prayers and exclusive Christmas music over at hallow.com slash aveexplores. We have a link down in the show notes. We're grateful that they sponsor our show, and we're grateful that you're listening. And we hope you enjoy the rest of this conversation with my good friend, Jonathan Blevins. Why is Twitch so attractive, do you think? I definitely think within this last year and a half, it's grown, not just by users watching, but by people trying to do it, right? Because everyone everyone has been at home. Here's what I like to compare it to. Video games are massive, bigger, and I don't have the stats memorized. I've got a whole presentation (laughs) that I have that gives the stats, but... We're talking about like 80% of the population under the age of 70 plays video games in some capacity. Wow. There, like there's really more people play video games than watch football. Wow. It's crazy to think about just how much of a part of it. And this, of course, you've got all different kinds of games and different genres and um, different reasons people play and different lengths of time that they play for. But a lot of people are familiar with it. And so Twitch has given kind of like really, really good video gamers, which is, sounds weird to say, but there are gamers out there who are like pros, if you will, that are winning tons of money in tournaments in the same kind of way that you would do football or basketball or baseball tournaments. And it really is not just like, if you practice, you'll be the best, right? It really is kind of like athletics in that way. And I hate kind of calling it esports because I don't think it is a sport, but some people just have it, right? I do not have it. I am not a professional gamer. I'm decent. My little brother has it. He's won like the first tournament of four different games in the last few years that came out for those games. And so people went to go watch because they want to see the best people do it, the same reason they watch football. And one of the biggest criticisms of Twitch, right, is like, why are you going to sit there and watch people play video games when you can just play yourself? Well, why do you sit there and watch football if you could just go play football by yourself? Because I want to watch the best. And most people who are watching Twitch are actually playing games at the same time, right? They're sitting in in their little studio and they're playing games and they're interacting. And then the other part is imagine like any movie that you've ever grown up loving or any actor or, or, you know, famous musician that you've loved. Imagine you could just literally talk to them at any time and they could respond and say your name. There's something to that about Twitch that people really, really love. And then it leads into community because you start to get to know them when they keep showing up. I think the community aspect and the watching people who are the best at what they do. And and then now, of course, now that it's kind of exploded into all genres, it's entertaining. Yeah, A lot of famous comedians who haven't been able to travel this last year and a half are just streaming on Twitch and it's hilarious. Yeah. I watched a comedy fundraiser for Hurricane Ida Relief on Twitch and you could drop money to them. And I mean, yep. I watch uh, our mutual friend, Mrs. Ruvie from Twitter. I watch her cook a couple times a week. It's just, it's fun. It's engaging. How do you share faith in that way? I mean, is it people like can type in questions? Are you giving a Bible study? Like how does it organically turn into a place where you get to share the gospel? Yeah, that's a great question. So the the main meat, if you will, of like our stream is just fun, appropriate, right? It's appropriate mm-hmm. content. And we're just building community. And then people, because of that, just because of us being who we are, not swearing, not raging after we lose, you know, not, you know, being toxic, they start to ask questions like, or, or even maybe they'll say something in the chat that's kind of inappropriate. And one of our moderators will just say, hey, we don't do that here. And then they'll say, why not? And it gives me or my partners a chance to say, uh, oh, because we're Catholic and we're going to live out our faith in all that we do, especially here in our job. And then they start asking, just immediately start asking questions about the church. If you think of any question you hear in youth ministry, same thing, except maybe ask a little more aggressively on Twitch. And then we can just answer it. And then, of course, that leads into other people wanting clarification and 
you've got other religions who are like, well, we think this, what's different? And it can lead into this whole conversation. So that's kind of like the mainstreams. But then we do have targeted streams, if you will, or partner streams with other organizations where we'll say ahead of time, hey, Tuesday night, we're going to have Katie Prejean McGrady on and we're going to talk about faith. And here's what the three things we're going to talk about. And you can join if you want. And that's really cool because some people who are ready for that in the stream Mm -hmm. that you didn't know were ready will show up and they'll be typing in the chat and you're like, oh, they're here for a very specific Catholic stream. And so, you know, they're kind of open. Yesterday in the Instagram live, I saw this guy who's been in my stream. First time I've heard him say it in our live on Instagram. He said, I'm considering the Catholic church because of the stream. I don't know if you saw that or not, but I was like, I I didn't realize that was... Yeah. Guy's name is Joey. Like, I think his name on there was like cult of personality, but then his name is Joey. Like, I know Joey. It's crazy. Yeah. That's awesome. So this is, I'm, I guarantee 90% of the people listening to this podcast right now have not heard of Twitch or like they've heard about it, but they didn't know how it operated and didn't know that this was a place where church needs to be. And that's kind of zooming out. Our whole conversation on sharing the faith this season has been like, I can talk to somebody about my faith in the grocery store. Like I can, I mean, it, it might be a little weird if I walked in there with a Bible and some rosary beads, but like I can maybe give witness to my faith because I'm wearing a cross around my neck or like they might see my child chewing on her choose life rosary beads while we're grabbing milk, right? Like there's like subtle evangelization. And then there's overt evangelization where I go to a Bible study or I invite a friend to come over and like, we're going to do liturgy of the hours before we put the kids to bed and we pop open another bottle of wine. And then there's this, which is this digital space People used to say the internet's not real, but it's very real. And it's very much a place of authentic connection that can change people's lives. How do you think the church needs to better engage these spaces? Having worked in the formal church, you got a paycheck from a priest, and now doing this, what's your advice for the people in those formal roles to recognize, like, we can't ignore this anymore. This isn't a fad. This isn't going anywhere. Like, this is a place that we need to be. Yeah, I was in a meeting in Florida just this past weekend and kind of explaining everything and a potential sponsorship. And they took away a lot from when I said this. So I'll just share this. Yeah. I hope it's relevant to what you asked. So Twitch, it's very, very niche. You had mentioned before we went live today that there's some organizations we're considering doing this. What a lot of the people end up doing on Twitch is they'll just do their normal content, but put it on Twitch, Mm -hmm. right? And then like what makes Twitch really, really special is that engagement throughout. I was on the Catching Foxes podcast recently and they were like, should we stream? And I was like, yes, you should. But then you should take an extra two hours to record your podcast because you're going to have to edit all the times that you're responding to the chat. But you should respond to the chat because that's what makes it different. ESPN 1000 radio station here in Chicago, they stream every day. They get about 300 average viewers. No one even types in the chat because it's just kind of up there in case you want to watch it. So it's kind of irrelevant. It's just the radio, but on Twitch. But if you're going to engage the space and actually like form a community, I used to joke with my brother that it's impossible to have online community. Bishop Aaron wrote a letter a couple of years ago, and I have to find what it's called, but basically calling the church to like consider an online mm-hmm. religious institution, like an online convent or uh, you know some type of order, religious order to just minister to people online. And then ultimately, of course, guide them into in-person you know, church communities, Mm -hmm. but that we have to reach these people there. So I would say to people to do it and then learn how, and I'm happy to help because there's so many traps that you can fall into. Like people have their names that seem completely innocent and inappropriate, but when you read it together, it's really inappropriate. And you can just, they clip it and boom, all of a sudden I'm on TikTok saying something I didn't actually say, but I did. 
And so there's so many little nuances to get with it, but it's worth learning and being a part of because I think it's going to be massive. As big as YouTube is in the church right now, I think Twitch will be twice as big in the next five years. Wow. We're seeing church go into, like we've got formed and you can put that on your Roku. And like my child watches Catholic TV's you know, Miss Heidi's liturgy every Sunday morning before we go to mass. And so it's just another area that the church can enter into and be a part of, not to baptize it. I always hate the idea of like, oh, we just have to go into these places and like make them holy, but to be a big tent in a place that's already doing its thing to where folks that are looking for the good, the true and the beautiful, and they can find it. So our question to ask, and you know, we've called everybody that we've had on the show an evangelization expert because you're evangelizing in a unique way and in an expert way where you are. If somebody's listening to this and they're like, okay, Twitch is cool. I'm going to go download it. I'm going to go watch him play video games and engage in this conversation. Or, you know, like, yeah, like maybe I'll, I'll ask my kid who plays Fortnite, like, who do you watch when you're on Twitch? And like, maybe video games aren't so bad. And like my kid can find authentic community through there. But somebody listening to this and says, okay, He's inspired me. I want to be more evangelistic. What's step one? Like, how does a person really develop that evangelistic muscle within their life? What's your number one tip? Oh my goodness. That, okay. I, I, you said that everyone's given a different answer and I feel like I'm going to yeah. give the most stereotypical one. So I might have to give two because my first tip would be to pray. And specifically for me, it's like daily mass, mm-hmm. something that I was not able to do a ton in parish ministry, which is kind of surprising. You feel like that would be something that would be easy. But it wasn't. And it's been a lot easier in my life in this last month, month and a, and a week. So start there because like, it's just huge. I feel like if you're not being fed, you're not going to be able to feed others. And I know that's just very stereotypical. Step two is to, I would say, start sharing the faith with people that you know, that you might not be sharing it with and might not have been in the last few years. Our world is very, very, as you know, polarized right now, right? It's hard to talk about things with people that you disagree with. But I found that people who disagree with me are still not dismissing your personal lived experience. So if I'm talking to an atheist who is either a family member or a very close friend, and I'm sharing how God has worked in my life recently, never have I heard them say like, oh, that's just ridiculous. That God's not even real. Normally they're just like, that's really good for you. But you're able to at least share it there. And if you can share it with the people that you love the most, you'll be able to share it with people when it's a little more, a little less threatening when they ask you why you're so hopeful. Yeah. Oh, that's such good advice. And nobody's given that answer yet. The Holy Spirit's working in awesome ways with this episode and with this show. Jonathan, where can we actually, like step-by-step, how can I watch Twitch? Like, is it an app? Can I download it on my phone? I know there's something to do with like Amazon and I can can actually support Twitch streamers. Like how for the maybe not tech-savvy audience, how can I actually watch you on Twitch or watch anybody on Twitch, but watch you on Twitch and then find you on social media? So twitch.tv forward slash Bearded Blevins is the desktop, or you can download Twitch for free and follow Bearded Blevins on Twitch. You just type it into a search bar and it pops up. I would highly recommend for people who are going to do that to create an account. It's free so that you have a username and then you can type in the chat, right? It's like some people are fine just watching and doing nothing and, be, and taking a back seat, but it's really fun to engage with the community and joke and type in the chat. So create a free account. And then if you have Amazon, you can link your Amazon Prime account to Twitch for free and sub which financially supports the streamer for free once a month that people are already kind of paying for without knowing it. So that's huge. And we'll have a YouTube video coming out about how to do that soon. But beardoflevins.com, you can go there and find all the stuff, all the different links to all social media and Twitch as well. It's so awesome. I'm so glad you're in this space. I'm so glad that we know each other like in real life. We've gotten tapas together. It was great. Tommy and I often talk about how we need to do that again sometime soon. 
at some point. I'll be in Chicago at some point. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us on Ave Explorers. Thank you so much for having me. God bless. You know, Jonathan said in this episode, as well as in our Facebook and Instagram live stream, that if the church isn't paying attention to what's going on on Twitch and how we can be there, well, then we're behind. And and sometimes it kind of feels like we are a little behind in our sharing of the faith. But maybe we don't have to be behind if we actually pay attention to this is a place, this is a space that we need to get with. This is a, a place and a space and an opportunity to articulate what it is that we love and what we believe and why we believe it in a way that is dynamic and engaging and life-changing and life-giving. And Jonathan does that so beautifully. We have a link down in the show notes to the work that he does over on Twitch. And like he mentioned, right, you can actually sponsor some of your favorite Twitch streamers who maybe you listen to and watch, right, if you have an Amazon Prime account. So go check that out. Maybe you can support him or some other great people who are doing really good work. We're also, of course, super grateful that you are listening to this podcast. We would love it if you give it a rating and a review, maybe share it. We just crossed the threshold of 200,000 downloads for this little show that has grown to something a whole lot bigger and that we are so grateful that you are a regular listener of. We hope that you'd share it with other people. Maybe go find all the other awesome stuff that we've created for Ave Explorers over at AveExplorers.com. There's articles, there's videos, there's other Facebook live streams. A great conversation that we had yesterday with Rachel Bullman about how to share the faith within your family. All of that over at our website. The link for that is down in the show notes. We will be back later on this week with another excellent conversation with Paul Jarzembowski of the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops about Pope Francis's vision for evangelization. So we hope you join us again then. We're so grateful that you listened with us today. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com. We're grateful for today's episode sponsor, Scapulars.com. Here's the story. Steve Karakas and his family have a strong devotion to Our Lady and the brown scapular, but they were so cheap and flimsy, they kept falling apart. They were irritating their skin. So he set out to make these high-quality scapulars that will last a lifetime, and they totally do. Check them out over at scapulars.com. For every scapular you purchase on their site, they'll give one away to an elderly person for free. It's all part of their mission to vest the world. Scapulars.com, today's episode sponsor.